the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. For Christ, it was a cup of wrath. For me, it's a cup of salvation. The cup represents your portion, your inheritance. It's a symbol of blessing, blessing, blessing. And do you know what David says? When I look at that cup, there's something coming out of that cup. That cup is overflowing. Sadly, most of us live our lives longing for heaven to escape some temporal problem or issue. When was the last time you seriously considered living for heaven, as if that is the ultimate goal of your life, not to escape this one, but to enjoy and embrace the one to come? That is what we're looking at here in the 23rd Psalm. Welcome to today's broadcast of Way of Grace. Pastor Jesse Gastand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward takes us back for a final look at the 23rd Psalm. The Lord shepherds me, my destiny, my Father's house. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast of Way of Grace. The wicked will watch the elect enjoy God's bounty forever while the smoke of their torment rises up forever and ever before the presence of the Lord. Now, if that's true, if their smoke rises up forever and ever in the presence of the Lord, they see the Lord, don't they? Now, if I'm with the Lord, guess who else they're going to see? They're going to see God's elect. Can I give you a picture of it? I can go on and on and on. I love the Bible because it's one singular, solitary, unitary truth. There was a brother who walked humbly in this earth. In fact, his life was so humble, not one of us Christians in here today, this is how jacked up we are with our pride, would have ever hung out with him. We would have called him cursed. We would have called him rejected. We would have said, I ain't got nothing to do with him. I can't see no grace in his life because we are very prosperity-oriented Christians in America. Listen to me. His name was Lazarus. That poor beggar riddled with sores who knew the Lord Jesus in his loving mercy and grace by whom the rich man stepped over him every day while he fared sumptuously in his gaiety and wealth and prominence. May I tell you who that rich man is? It's us. God have mercy on us. I know you didn't think it was coming. But see, if you look at Lazarus and you look at the rich man, we're more like the rich man. We have way more than we need and we do way less with it than we should. We neglect, we deny, we turn from anything that looks like the Lord Jesus. Lord have mercy. 
Because you see, Lazarus is a picture of humility and brokenness and delayed gratification. Delayed gratification. Now, was not our Lord a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief? Did we not hide, as it were, our faces from him? We still do it today by giving a phony, carnal, secular definition to Christianity and fail to see God's glory at the lowest levels of humanity. This is why some of us don't go. We come to hear, but we don't go to tell because our hearts are not like God's hearts. God, I'm telling the truth. I'm telling the truth for God today. Just, just, just I have to tell the truth. Can I tell the truth? We're not being like Christians. Yet, you know what happens? Lazarus dies. The rich man dies. Because it is appointed unto men once to die. And after this, the what? See, we all make our judgments now, don't we? And we're probably wrong. We're probably wrong. The Bible tells me the angels came in and ushered Lazarus into the presence of God. Abraham, metaphorically, because he was a Jew. You know what that means? God honored him. Do you know where Lazarus was? A nanosecond after he breathed his last breath. Are you ready? He was at the table with God. Am I telling the truth? And watch this now. The rich man died too and lifted up his eyes in hell and the first thing he saw was Lazarus in the bosom of Abraham. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Did we drive it home? Did we drive it home? Let's go back to our text and enjoy ourselves. I, I, I want you to be a little happy before you go. Let's go back. Let's go back to our text now and deal with point number five. I love this. The text is, is wonderful because what David does is he describes for us his experience now. And I want to quickly work through this. In verse five and six, he says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. And then David says, you anoint my head. Do you see that? Stay with me now. We have moved from fellowship as sheep to fellowship as sons. We are no longer in the metaphor and analogy of the sheep, okay? So all of that stuff you hear about how shepherds put oil in your nose and oil on your head to run off the flies and all that. How many of y'all heard that? Raise your hand if you heard it. That ain't got nothing to do with our text. Did you hear what I just said? Sound biblical interpretation. Where we use the analogy of Scripture to build our interpretation. Instead of reaching far-fetched examples and anecdotes outside of the Bible. Teaches us that when men and women come together in the intimacy of fellowship at anyone's home. The first thing you do when you honor them is anoint them. Oh, y'all didn't forgot your Bible. Can I preach? So what the Lord Jesus said in the day that he went to Simon's house, Simon, the Pharisee, and he entered in because Simon had a feast. Y'all remember that? And I told you, that sister came in there with an alabaster box of ointment. Y'all remember that? She just broke in on the men's study like some of y'all do. 
just broke in on the men. Now, I told you now, if you break in on the men's study and you hear me talking like a man, that's your fault. <laughs> did, did not, that's your fault. If you, why did Pastor Jesse say that? Because I'm talking to men, all right? Mind your own business. Now, now, if you can take it, take it, but just don't, all right, don't blame me. That sister broke in, and she realized that Simon didn't do for Jesus what Jesus did for Simon. See, what I am talking about when I talk about the table, I'm talking about you and I entering into the honor. See, we walk in humility now, but there's a day when God's going to honor his people who love him and labor and suffer for his glory down here. We've already heard it over and over again, have we not? I am absolutely, completely, totally discombobulated by the expectation of God honoring me. I can't even, I can't get my hands around it. I can't get my hands around how he is zealous to so lift us up and set us on high and then serve us like he did the 11 that night. Can't get my, can't get my hands around it. Can't get my hands around it. Can you get your hands around it? That sister knew that the one man in that room with all of those stinking men was the Lord Jesus, and she anointed him both on her head, his head, and on his feet with the hair of her head. Everybody started having fits in there, all of the male chauvinists. Why is she doing all that? He turned to Simon and said, Simon, since I got here, you haven't washed my feet. You haven't anointed my head. You haven't honored me. And I wonder, I really do wonder, do we honor the Lord Jesus in worship? Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? I wonder, do we come with our hearts right? Isn't that what we were talking about last night, men? I, I tell people frequently, you only going to get, when you come, what you come for. And if you don't come for anything, you're not going to get anything when you go. When you come with your head messed up, you're going to leave with your head messed up. And if you come to honor God, I promise you, God will honor you. If you come to see his glory, I promise you, his glory will be manifested. If you come to worship God, God will meet you in worship. Won't he meet you? God will show his glory to you. He'll reveal himself to you. He'll admonish you and correct you and chastise. And he'll kiss you with the kisses of his lips. And he'll fill your soul with good things. Will he not? But that's for people who are serious about worship. You get only what you come for. That woman anointed him because she had been honored by him. And he turned around right then and there and honored her again, didn't he? Yes. He let everybody know wherever this gospel's preached, her name will be mentioned. Yes. See, what I'm getting at, saints, what I'm getting at is that worship is a corresponding mutual dynamic between the God that saved us and his saved people. Now, when it says, he anointed my head, there are three basic ways to approach this idea of the anointing of the head. It really means to accept us. Literally, that's what the word is translated, to accept. In Psalm 20, verse 3, pull it up. To anoint someone is to accept them. Bring them into your space and accept them. Psalm 20, verse 3. Psalm 20, verse 3. Here it is. Remember all your what? And do what? Accept by burnt sacrifices. Now, will y'all watch me now? When God accepts burnt sacrifices, how does he show it? By fire coming down on that sacrifice and consuming it. Do you know how he accepts us? 
by anointing us with the Holy Ghost so we are qualified to enter into his presence. You cannot worship God apart from the Spirit of God. Stay with me now. I love the other interpretation. You know what it means to be anointed? It's to wipe the ashes away. Ah! In the Old Testament sacerdotal system, when the sacrifices were consumed, what was left were ashes. And God had told the priest to use uh, shovels to shovel away the ashes. Are y'all hearing me? The shovel is our same Hebrew term for anointing. And what that means is when you and I are anointed, it means God now is removing the ashes. Oh, you black people ought to know what I'm talking about. You black people ought to know what I'm talking about. After you come out the shower. After you come out the shower. Now, my Caucasian brother, y'all might have some of that going on too. But us black folk, we look like we've been cooked. When we come, is that true? Stay with me now. This is all anthropomorphical, okay? Come here, boy. I used to hate it when my mama grabbed me, started putting oil over. Quit, quit. <laughs> she's anointing me because she's accepting me and she's wiping the ash away. Hallelujah. By the death of Christ, all my ashes have been wiped away. All my ashes have been wiped away. Now I'm shining for his glory. Somebody will get it. Somebody will get it. Somebody will get it. He accepts us, brings us to himself, and he removes our sin and anoints us with the Holy Ghost so we can enjoy the table with him. After all, he was anointed too. You have anointed him above your fellows. Can I tell you why? He bore the most ashes. He bore the most ashes. He was the ashiest man in the world. And God dumped the Holy Ghost on him without measure. And then Christ draws us near and cleans our ashes and pours the Holy Ghost on us and allows us to enjoy the table. Y'all hearing me? Are you hearing me? Are you learning something about the table? Let's go back to the text. One, one more thing here. Two more things. He says, you anoint my head with oil. And then he says, my cup runs over. This is kind of a last expression of an experience of enormous and unusual grace that David is, 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 is now talking about. First, He's happy to be in. Do y'all hear me? David knows he is nothing but Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth does not belong at the table. He's an enemy of the king. He's the son of the enemy of the king. He's the grandson of the enemy of the king. But he's at the table now because the king made a covenant with his daddy. Are y'all hearing me? Right. The covenant between two other people is the reason you're at the table. You're not at the table because of you. You're at the table because of the father and the son. You and I are enemies by nature of God. We don't have no right at the table. 
but because of the love of the Son for the Father and the love of the Father for us, the Son took our ashes away. Took us a bunch of lame and crippled and broke and halt sinners and carried us and sat us at the table. We don't belong there. We don't belong here. We don't belong here. We're only here by grace. Can I get a witness? We're only here by grace. We're only here by grace. Now, when David says, my cup runneth over, the word cup literally means portion. Literally means portion. Don't have time. We got to partake of the table today. And we got one baptism. Everybody that is actually a member of grace, I'm encouraging you to stay for the baptism. If you got to go, you can go. But we honor God for his table and we honor God for his water because they both symbolize entrance into the kingdom of God. And how dare I walk away from the celebration of a believer coming into the kingdom? David is sitting at a table he didn't deserve. Didn't deserve it. He is enjoying a feast. He can't even explain. Do y'all know we didn't talk about food? Because you don't see food on the table, right? The food is the same satisfying host who prepared the table. Christ is our food. Christ is our meat. Christ is our bread. Christ is our drink. Christ is our water of life. Christ is our everything. Are y'all hearing me? That brother picks up his cup and says, What shall I render unto God for all of his benefits towards me? Do y'all know that Bible? His Bible says, I will pay my vows unto the most high God because he has given me a cup of salvation. See, for Christ, it was a cup of wrath. For me, it's a cup of salvation. The cup represents your portion, your inheritance. It's a symbol of blessing, blessing, blessing. And do you know what David says? When I look at that cup, there's something coming out of that cup. That cup is overflowing. It's overflowing. It's overflowing. It's overflowing. When he looks at the cup, he's amazed because it's overflowing, but it's not spilling. Hallelujah. It's overflowing because what's in the cup is the same as who gave him the cup. It's God himself. God is our portion. God is our meat. God is our drink. As it is written, out of their bellies shall flow rivers of living water. And they flow and flow and flow and flow abundantly for all eternity. Do you believe it? All right, so verse 6. I'm here. I'm done here. So when David looks at how God saved him by the merits of Christ, he thinks, how in the world did he make it in? How in the world does he find himself at God's table when his heart is so frequently filled with enmity against God? And it has to be a grace that he can't fully describe. Are y'all with me? And then he looks at the spread and he realizes that God has honored him in Christ. Do you remember what Jesus said, John 12? He says, gird up your loins and run for me. 
And don't store up for yourselves treasures on this earth. Store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. If you know your Bible, it's Luke 12. Don't get there. I'm going to talk my way through this, okay? Because I just want you to hear. This is why you got to know your Bible. You can't have the Holy Ghost flowing out of you if you're ignorant of the Word of God. They go hand in hand. The only way you're going to talk like you know God is for you to hear God talk. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. Out of the abundance of the heart doth the mouth speak. And take not thy word of truth out of my mouth utterly. So shall I have wherewith to answer them that reproach me because I trust in your word. Your word is my only hope. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Your word is my only hope. And so David knows something about the abundance of the flow. Jesus said, if you serve me in this life, I mean, if you serve me in this life, and you wait on me. When I come, I will sit you down at the table and I will gird myself up and I will serve you. I will feed you. I will honor you. I will lift you up. I will set you on high. You will sit with me in heavenly places enjoying the feast of God for all eternity. Do y'all remember that promise? Let it, let it impact you. Let it impact you. Please let it impact you. Let it motivate you to wake up every day and ask, am I serving or am I taking? Please let it impact you. Please. Because the servants of God are quietly doing the work. Waiting on the promise of exaltation with Christ one day. And it's everywhere in the Bible, is it not? It's a humbling, motivating factor, is it not? It's a humbling, it humbles me to no end. I can't can't believe, no wonder I'm with those brothers in Revelation chapter 4. The moment that the Lord put the crown on my head, I'm throwing it right back at him. Lord, unto you, unto you alone, be all the glory and honor and dominion. You alone did all this. Did you get it? He sits at the table and he says, you know what? If God can do this for me, surely. If God can prepare a table for me, Surely, if God can put out a spread like this, surely, if God can show the kind of grace he does to an undeserving hellbound sinner like me, surely, surely, although my house be not so with God, he has ordered a covenant that is sure in all things. Is that not right? If God can bless us with his grace, surely he can get us to glory. Are y'all with me? He says, surely, goodness and what? Mercy. See, now he know we dumb folks, so we can't handle but two words at a time. So from here on out, go goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy. Those are God's two sheepdogs chasing you into the kingdom to make sure you get there. They don't follow me. They chase me. That's the best translation. Surely goodness, the character of God, the faithfulness of God, the immutability of God, the glory of God will chase me. Surely mercy, the atoning work of Christ, his propitiation, the finality of the cross, the blessing of forgiveness and justification and reconciliation and sanctification and maturity and glory. Surely the Father and the Son will chase me into the house of the Lord and I will be there forever and ever and ever and ever because he who have begun 
a good work in me, will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he should repent. If he said it, he will make it good. If he declared it, he will bring it to pass. Our God can't lie. Our God can't change. Our God can't fail. Hallelujah. That'll conclude our time today here on Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stan, the Ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. We thank you for spending time with us. Trust that as you do walk through God's Word with us, you're growing in grace, growing in your relationship with Christ and your love and adoration to Him. As we conclude our time together today, we would like to remind you that if today's broadcast was impact to you, maybe it really blessed you, or maybe you've got a question or two that to listen to this program again would help out. Well, we have CDs available when you call or write to us, or if you wish, simply stop by our website and download the audio file from the website. Our web address is grace-bible.com. Rather simple. Again, grace-bible.com. Or contact us by phone at 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're writing to us, the address is 22768 Main Street. And that's here in Hayward. The zip code is 94541. Again, that's 22768. Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541 is the zip code. We ask for $5 per CD, or again, as mentioned, simply stop by our website and you can listen to the message in its entirety or download the MP3 version, grace-bible.com. One final note, we're inviting you to join us for worship. Sunday services are at 11 a.m. with Sunday school at 10 a.m. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study at 8 p.m. We'd love for you to stop by and join us for worship, especially if you're not involved in a fellowship at this time. And then, of course, the Friday Bible study. We have folks from all kinds of churches all over the Bay Area joining us at 8 p.m. It's a marvelous time of studying God's Word together as a company of believers. Again, for directions, simply go to grace-bible.com or call 510-886-9782. Thank you for joining us today, and until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.